thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So good to have you in the house this morning. The presence of the Lord is so strong, so tangible. Thank you, worship team, for leading us today. Would you let them know how much you appreciate them? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to go in your Bibles to Romans chapter 7 this morning and also Luke chapter 9, Romans chapter 7 and Luke chapter 9. I'm so excited that I am doing life with people who are unafraid. So many of of the people on the planet are afraid to venture out and to do new things, to attempt new things. But I am rejoicing that God has given me the privilege to pastor a church that's unafraid. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Lord. Just stand to your feet. And I want to say that again, and I want that to register on the inside of you. It's not every day that you get to be a part of a congregation, a group of people, a community, that the very core of who they are, there's not an ounce of timidity, but there is an extreme degree of courage and confidence, not so much in themselves, but in what the Lord is doing and who he is. And I've, I have the privilege of being so blessed to be in a congregation where there's absolutely no timidity. And I, I, am, I am doing life, I am doing life with people who are unafraid. Come on, give God glory for that one more time. Uh, you share generously, sometimes to your own detriment. Uh, in the short term, you, you're adventurous, you're daring, you're risk takers. You've taken leaps of faith, and you just dare to believe God. This is the greatest church on the planet. Can. Can you just get an agreement with me right there? So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you as we get into this word today that you will continue to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us. Lord, by the time that we leave here, we know without a shadow of a doubt, Lord, that we have something uh, to build upon and Lord, something to give away. I bless you, honor you, and glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. Just remain standing. There's one verse of scripture. I want you to look at it on the screen that I want you to uh, get into agreement with me for just a moment. The writer of the book of Romans says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. Now, look, guys, look at me. I want, you to, I want you to understand something. Christianity and becoming a born-again believer 
is not a one-sided venture of where you initially give your life to God. And then from that point on, our focus is how he can bless me, help me, serve me, meet my need. Okay. Take care of me, protect me from pain, from all suffering, from all anxiety. And that he, from the moment we get born again, too many mindset is that God is here for me. How many of you have ever entered into a marriage? Well, don't answer this. How many of you know someone who has entered into a marriage relationship and one of the partners expects the other partner to do everything for them, to serve them, to be at their ever beck and call? Clean for me, wash for me, take care of me, make sure there's no pain, no discomfort. You just are here to serve me. And I think, sadly, for the most part, that may have been a part of the menu that the church has served the body of Christ over the last few decades. Get saved and here's what God will do for you. And then we get disappointed if he doesn't do, okay? And we get so mad, sometimes we, we separate from him. And then if we really, something goes on that he should have taken care of, we divorce him. We turn our back on him. Well, he broke up with me or she was mean to me. You hear what I'm saying? But your Bible says that when you get, when you get born again, you become married to him. Your relationship with Jesus is not one-sided, but it is an intimate relationship likened unto a man and a woman. And you're married to him. So just as you have expectations from him, he too has expectations from his bride. And I think we need to learn all we can on how to be a good bride. Does that make sense to you? And stop focusing on making sure he does what he's supposed to do. He always does what he's supposed to do. He's forever. Your Bible says that he is faithful even when we're unfaithful. He's kind when we're not kind. He's forgiven when we're not forgiven. Now, I just find this absolutely beautiful. That may we be so in love with him that we try to outserve him. See, success in marriage is this. Who can become the better server? Where my aim is to make my, ha my, my spouse, my wife, happy. And then all of a sudden, if she says, my aim is to make my wife or my husband happy, then all of a sudden, we're, there's this collision of just goo and happiness and, and just like, 
You know what I'm saying? There's just this, this, this beautiful mess of just tripping over each other to serve one another. I can't be disappointed in you because I'm serving you. You know what I'm saying? I, there's nothing you can do to disappoint me because I'm just so in love with you. I, I gave you my life. I surrendered my life to come to you. And in fact, I even wear a ring to let me know and to you know that I serve another. Is this, is this helping anybody? I am married to him. Thank you, Lord. All right, you can be seated in the house. Just a beautiful scripture here. And he died for all that those who live, marriage principle, should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Absolutely unbelievable. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, why did I start with that? The reason I started with that particular analogy is I want you to know that in every marriage and every relationship, there is communication. One of the leading causes of divorce is a lack of communication, a lack of being able to uh, dialogue with one another, to share your feelings, and also to hear somebody reciprocate their feelings, if you will. I feel that our church and our, our body and the body of Christ at large, there's been maybe a deficit on hearing God speak. Oftentimes, we're the ones doing all the talking. I am un, I'm not under the persuasion that God stopped talking. And there is a segment of the church that says that God has said what he needed to say. And we have it canonized in the Holy Scriptures. And since that time, God doesn't speak anymore. And I appreciate their desire to protect what God has said. But can you imagine being married to someone and the only way that they ever communicated to you was the love letters they wrote to you. And he's never written another love note to you. That's just like telling a spouse, oh, I told you I loved you back in the day. And if anything changes, I'll let you know. Your Bible's filled with examples of how God spoke. In Genesis 8:15, the Bible says, us, says to us that God spoke to Noah, saying, Genesis 12 talks about how the Lord said to Abram, Exodus 24, and the Lord said unto Moses, Isaiah 38, then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah. The Bible says in Acts 9, and, and the Lord spoke to the Lord, why are you to, to the apostle Paul? But again, 
there's this theology and doctrine circulating and percolating around the world that, that God doesn't speak anymore. Now, I want you to think about that with me for a moment. Does God speak? Now, listen, some of you, when you say yes, would be called a heretic on many religious fronts, a lunatic, um, emotional, um, taking away from the written word when you say God speaks. I do believe that he speaks, but I refuse to adapt myself to a theology created by man that limits the activity of God into the human heart, that limits the voice of God to paper. The book that I'm holding in my hand approximately contains 800,000 words. 1,200 pages. And of these pages, nearly 1,000 are in the Old Testament. And close to 300 are in the New Testament. This book that I am holding contains 66 books written by over 40 men. It contains 1,189 chapters. Researchers estimate that you and I speak 7,000 words a day. Now, maybe perhaps depending upon the gender. What? What are y'all assuming there? That there may be some people that speak more than 7,000 and some fewer than 7,000. That means in a year that you and I are going to speak two and a half million words over three times the amount of the word of God that we have. I want to make this statement and it's a little controversial, but I want you to hear it in the context of which I'm speaking because I know that there'll be somebody that will do a video on a video on this and, and totally take it out of context. The Bible that I am holding in my hand, that you hold, that is in your lap, is not all that God has said. It is his word and we live by it. Talk to me. We are governed by the 66 books. This book is never changing. Hmm? This book is infallible, it's inerrant, it's perfect in every way. But as I look at this book and what God has done and is doing and will do, I make this, I make this statement that the God who wrote this and the God of the universe was not and is not on a word count.
that I'm going somewhere very important, so, but I'm building you the foundation because you're going to need what I'm saying to be able to do what God's going to ask you to do. There are things that God has said that are not mentioned in the Bible. For instance, the conversation with Nicodemus in John chapter 3 lasted about 700 words. I don't believe for the moment that the conversation with Nicodemus and Jesus lasted less than one chapter. Let me explain what I mean by that. If you have a secret meeting with Jesus and you're so concerned about is he or is he not the Messiah that you can't meet with him in the day because of fear, but you have arranged an appointment with Jesus at night. I'm under the persuasion that there was more to the conversation than what is recorded in John chapter 3. Questions that he may have asked that John decided not to include in the writing. Maybe perhaps responses that Jesus gave Nicodemus that John perceived that I, I think that may be just too private. To record. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because your Bible says in John chapter 21, the writer of the book of John, who there also wrote the story of Nicodemus, he says, there are also many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written on one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written so everything that you and I have in this book is not all that God has said. Imagine with me as I'm looking here that people do believe that we have been in existence somewhere around 6,000 years. And God was even here before man was ever created in the garden. And this big circle represents the 6,000 years of humanity. And right here, is the Bible. I believe God has said some things that are not in this book. There are those that says God doesn't speak anymore. I, I, I dare to differ with that. 
Because your Bible says differently than that. Multiple ways God speaks. Amen. Everything in this book is perfect. It is the word of God. I, I am governed by it. I'm led by it. I'm strengthened by it. I'm encouraged by it. It's a light to my path. Do you hear what I'm saying? It is the truth of God revealed to us over 4,000 years. But after the first century church, this book came into existence nearly 2,000 years ago. I live here. I look to this book where God said to Noah, said to Moses, said to Isaiah, said to the apostle Paul, said to James and John, and all of, the, and all of that is in that book. God has not gone mute from that point of the canonization of the scriptures to this point. Well, God doesn't speak. Does somebody have his tongue? Who said he couldn't speak again? Who said he's not giving revelation? Who said that he's not meeting with us and talking directly to us by his own voice. Hear me. Your Bible says that God speaks to men in sundry ways. He speaks to the unsaved who have never heard the gospel in Romans chapter 1 through the creation that he created. The Bible says in the book of Acts, that in the last days, young men shall have dreams and older men shall have visions or vice versa. They shall have dreams and they shall have visions. I am convinced that God can and has and will speak to people through dreams and visions. I believe that the word of God teaches us that angels can appear and give direct messages to his children. It happened in the Old and it happened in the New Testament. And angels are messengers of God to deliver a message on behalf of God. Do you remember Peter in prison? Angel came to him and said, put your shoes on, we gotta go. Paul and Silas singing praises and worshiping the Lord in the inner chambers of the prison and an angel appeared to them. I feel very strong as we move toward the end of time that we're going to see more people encounter dreams and visions as well as divine encounters with angelic beings. Again, this is not anti-biblical, it is biblical. And just because we've not seen it, heard it, written about it, talked about it, 
or those in the mainstream Christian flow have not encountered it themselves and discounted that God no longer does that does not mean that God still cannot do those type of things. Yeah, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Do you hear what I'm saying? We have one Bible. It's a holy book. It's without fault or flaw or error, and it's perfect in every way. But all that God has spoken is not contained in these books. It's unfair to limit God to what he has said to this book. To say you cannot speak anymore. My Lord, the devil's speaking. But God can't speak. He's already spoken. Right? Talk to me. The devil will say to you loud and clear, kill that person. Shoot that school up. Kill yourself. Nobody would care. Hate them. They hurt you. Fudge those numbers. Don't report that. Lie. You deserve this. Look at her. Look at him. Nobody cares. And nobody will ever know. I mean, believe the devil speaks today. And see, there's a theology that has been circulating that literally tells us that God no longer speaks. So guess what? We are now accustomed to not even tuning in to what he's trying to say to us. But all of us are tuned in to the voice. See, whenever you lack any personal encounters with the Lord, you assume that since you don't have any, then everybody else doesn't have any either. Therefore, you have to justify, somehow find something that literally supports your impotency or lack of relationship in the marriage of where there is communication. Okay, okay, all right. So important that we catch this today. Because I, I, I'm, I am in some circles, walking on very, very thin ice. Very thin ice. Very thin ice. But you cannot find me one scripture in here that says that God is through talking. In fact, he talked all the way up to the last book of Revelation. As John put it. And we think that the Lord has gone mute and silent. But history is filled with people 
who have heard the voice of God that either save their life or the life of others. They have heard the voice of God in some means, in some medium that calls them to witness and to share Christ and an entire family has gotten born again. Talk to me in this house. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, where am I going with this this morning? I want to reiterate and if I haven't said it before I want to say it again that this book is God's word it's perfect in every way there's not one error in this book this is God's revelation to man but it is not his entire revelation to man now, am I saying that there should be another Bible? No, I'm not saying that. Am I saying that every time that we hear the voice of God speak to us, that we need to canonize it and make it a part and add it to the scriptures? That's not what I'm saying. God saw fit through the council way back in the day that there would be this compilation of works that they mold over many and multiple writings to narrow it down to 66 books. And these men prayed and said, these 66 books are now what we will call the word of God. These are captured for us. And every decision that you and I make, every direction from the Lord, hear me, has got to be measured against what we know to be the written, infallible, inerrant, perfect word of God. Now listen to me. There have been a lot of people that said they have heard God before. And it is way outside of the letter of this law or even the spirit of this word. Recently, we have seen people that have been arrested after raping someone, and they said, why did you commit this terrible act? Well, God told me to. There have been others that have spoken and said, the reason I shot up this school was because Jesus told me to. Now, that is the element that our theologians are nervous that we will go to this. That all of a sudden there will be this rogue segment in the church and even outside the church that will treat what God speaks to them in private, in the intimate moment, and try to make that work with every other person in their world. Are equal to the canonization of the word of God. You cannot do that. There's only one word. There's not volume two. There's not volume three. There's not volume five. There is one perfect law and perfect word, and it's the Bible. 
So anything that you and I get from the Lord that we say, I heard his voice, has to be measured. Here's the plumb line. And it cannot violate this word, nor the spirit of this word, nor can it be created, or should say treated as equal. Therefore, what God has spoken to you, therefore, everybody must adhere to it. I, I know I'm on thin ice with, with, with certain theologians, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully because I'm going to help you with something in a moment. Those that say God no longer speaks, you can't get saved without hearing the voice of God. Okay. What do you mean, Pastor? Who in this room believes that the Holy Spirit, God the Father, and God the Son are three in one? Okay. They are all the same. I don't like to use the terminology, which is really not scriptural, that the Father and then the Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, and the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. You can't find that language in the Bible. Anytime I talk to you about first, second, and third, there's, all, there's already a, a, a lineization, if you will, or if you're trying to say, okay, well, he's the first most important, he's finished in second place, and the Holy Spirit's in third place. You hear what I'm saying? Gold, silver, bronze. Third, third place, third person, third wheel, Three's, you know, come on. Two's company, three's a crowd. You can't find third when describing the Holy Spirit in the Bible. The Bible, we're one. We're one. So those that say that God does not speak to us, I understand what they're trying to protect us from, but God is speaking while I'm speaking to you. Every unsaved person hears a voice. They may not identify it as a voice, but something on the inside of them tells them, you're unsaved. You're going to hell. Unless you repent, it's going to be a bad day for you. How many of us in this room remember and recall where you were or multiple times of hearing that inner voice on the inside of you, the Spirit of God, which your Bible says will come to convict us of sin, righteousness, and of judgment. That is the ministry, ongoing ministry of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit God? Oh, okay. Or my Caneo students. Is the Holy Spirit God? Okay, so if he tells, how many of you, are sitting there and there's that drug on the counter, okay, and all of a sudden you go, man, I really need something to relax. And the Holy Spirit says, don't do that. Well, whose voice is that? That ain't the devil's voice. 
It's the Spirit of God speaking to you. Don't do that. So to tell me that God doesn't speak is to neutralize, come on, the very activity of the Spirit of God that speaks to us through our conscience, through what we know by the written Word of God. He highlights what we have read and what we know to be the plumb line of right and wrong, and the Spirit of God will say to us, don't do that. I would just assume that that is the Spirit of God, the voice of God. You need to get saved. The pounding in your heart. Jesus has not been regulated to do sign language. And all the while, the devil has this megaphone. Don't get saved. You'll lose all your friends. You'll have no fun. And the Lord's going, I can't speak since that book came into. Y'all know how absurd we've gotten with this. You you understand? No, the, the spirit and the bride. Revelation. Say, come. Do you hear what I'm saying? That's what your book says. Romans chapter eight talks about how the sons and daughters of God are led by the spirit of God, the spirit of God. So he's not leading me. No, listen, the Spirit of God leads us. Don't go there. Don't do that. Talk to her. Give her some money. Sow a seed. Hug her. Invite them to dinner. When your flesh doesn't want to do any of those things. Your flesh fights it. The Bible says my flesh fights the spirit. They're contrary to one another. But the spirit of God is speaking to me. The spirit of God is moving and he's talking to me. Now, do I need to write down? Oh, we got to add this to scripture. The Lord just told me to hug her. Okay, we're going to make that uh, 1 Marty chapter 3, verse 6. You know what I'm saying? Pastor Marty, how many times have you heard God speak to you about a person? Gave you a word of knowledge, spoke to you. We don't need to write that down as scripture, but it is the ongoing intimacy of a marriage relationship where we're in partnership and talking together. All right, does this help everybody? Now, I'm, go, I'm about to wrap this up because I need to delay that foundation to get you to this point. God still speaks. Nothing contrary to the word. Nothing that violates the word, the written word, or even the spirit of the written word. For example, you're dating someone. She's unsaved. Hey, listen to me. She's unsaved. And you say God spoke to you to date her. 
Well, your Bible says in 2 Corinthians that you should not mix these two together. What fellowship has light with darkness and there's no need to be unequally yoked together? Well, we're not getting married, but you're leaning. Every dating relationship has the potential to lead you into more deeper relationship. Well, I feel in my heart, well, I don't care what you feel. Your feelers needs adjusting. Your feeler is now leaning in toward the flesh because you love his cologne. And the way he makes you feel and the way he holds your hand and the way he validates you and he buys all these nice things for you. And, and so now you're leaning into this and, and I can make my flesh feel good about anything. Well, what does the word say? Well, the word's already spoken on this. So I measure what I hear based upon the word. Now, th that's the balance we're talking about right there. We're not going rogue. We're not going, everything that God says will be checked against the word. But every situation you face is not in that word. Right? When I bought my house, I did not find a scripture that gave me the address of where I was to buy my house. But when we went looking for a home, we had to decide, Lord, where do you want us to be? Where do you want us to be? What house do you want us to purchase? And that's when we felt, felt and feel and sense the leading of the Holy Spirit. The sons of God, Romans 8 says, leaves verse 14. The sons and daughters of God are led by the Spirit of God. How can the Holy Spirit lead you without speaking to you? Feelings, impressions, parents talking to you, others help guiding you. There's wisdom in the counsel of others, dreams, visions, angelic visitations. God can speak to us in sundry ways. Even Jesus said this, John 10, my sheep hear my voice. Now, was he just talking to those 12 sheep, those 70, those 120? My sheep hear my voice. Okay. Here's the two prayers the devil hates to hear. I close with this. You ready for this? Number one, the prayer that the devil hates to hear. I want you to write it down. I think this is going to help you. Jesus, would you reveal to me what you are doing? You are about to be unleashed throughout the nation this coming weekend as you go and have Christmas with families, neighbors, business parties, things of that nature. And your Bible says that the Father has been working. 
and is working unto now. In fact, go there in your Bible very quickly. I want you to, I want you to see this. Go to the book of John. Chapter five. And this is why we must hear the voice of God. Because there will not be, in most cases, if not over 90%, a scripture reference for you to lean upon. John chapter five, verse 18. Jesus says this about his own ministry. Therefore, the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Now notice that the son of God said that. He said, I can do nothing. That's a good place for us to rest right there. Just realize you can do nothing. I can do nothing. But what he sees the father do. Now guys, look at me. Whether you realize it or not, that drunk uncle, that crazy neighbor, that unruly teacher, that out of his mind employer, work associate, Coach, God so loved the 8 billion people on this planet that he is working on all of them at some level. Some are ready to cross the line to get born again. Others are miles away, but God's still working. Some are a few steps from it. Others are a few blocks. But rest assured that the person that you don't like, perhaps I don't like, and don't even want to be around, God is working on them for the purpose of drawing them to himself. Pull that slide back up, Jay, if you would, because I want you to, I want you to look at it. God, I am married to you, and it is my pleasure to do your will. Will you reveal to me what you're doing. And if you are bodacious enough to pray that prayer, God just may oblige you and reveal to you what he's doing in the earth, in their world. That's why you can't have canned responses to people that are suffering. You can't have canned responses to people that you go to your, you know, your three or four lines of witnessing to someone. My sons and daughters are led by the spirit of God. I've got to hear God because Danny's different than Karen. Karen's different than Pastor Sherry and, and Julie. All, everybody's at a different place and, and on their journey to the Lord. And, and I need to know, okay, what, yeah. I'm go, what I typically have memorized yeah. to say to you, I can't say to everybody. I need to know how God's working in your life. I need to know, I need to know, listen, listen to me guys. This is why, this is why I, I, I had to 
build the foundation of what I'm saying about hearing the voice of God. The voice of God will lead you into all truth. The spirit of God will lead you into all truth. And if you ask him and say, Lord, there are going to be 30 people at this dinner party. So good. I am not going to be wrapped up in just having a good time and it all about me. But Lord, I know you're working somewhere in this room. Will you reveal to me what you're doing? And so you go, as your Bible says, as an ambassador. You see, I, I, I am a part of the, I am his bride, but I am also his ambassador. I am his biggest fan. I am his biggest proponent. I so am in love with him. I want everybody to be in love with him. I have been so forgiven. I want every person to be forgiven as I have. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's no longer about what he may do for me. He's done enough and will always, he's, he, he's going to outserve me. You could, that's why he says, don't, you don't even need to ask me for things because if you'll just seek my kingdom, all these things will be added unto you. Does that make sense? Just serve me. I'll take care of this. I'll take care of it. He's not our slave. He's not our Santa Claus. He's not our sugar daddy. He's the lover of my soul. And I give myself to him. Lord, what, show me, look at it. Reveal to me what you the devil hates this. Joshua, the devil hates this. He may not say anything to you, will he? May not be time yet. May not be time. Reveal to me. Number two, question number two. Pull it up, Jay. Show me how I can partner with you. Show me how I can partner with you. What can I do specifically to partner with you? To bring him into this loving, caring, gracious, wonderful family. How can I partner with you to minimize and to eliminate their misery. How can I partner with you, O oh Lord? I see him walking with a limp. I see that he's losing his sight. He has no hearing. What can I do to partner with you? Do you hear me? This is life-changing. Makes us vulnerable, though. This is scary. Uncomfortable. Just be surprised when he says it. I'll never forget. I'm sitting as a Southern Baptist pastor. Jimmy Hope, who pastored Praise Fellowship back in the day, I had just gotten filled with the Holy Ghost as a Southern Baptist. And Jimmy Hope mentored me in the early days about the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So I'd, I'd, we'd meet with him, wouldn't we, Karen? We'd meet with him and we'd talk. and Because uh, he was the first really expression of charismatic life that I thought wasn't goofy. Okay? And, and, and so I went to him and I asked him questions. And I said, how do you hear the voice of God? What do you do? I, I'm... 
He says, let me tell you what I did one day. He said, let me give you an example. He said, I'm sitting at a restaurant, my wife and I, and there's a girl across the table from me that we invited. She needed some help, some counseling. And Jimmy just walked in the spirit. He just walked in the spirit. Lord, I'm here. Show me things. Help. I want to help her. He's eating his, his red lobster dinner. His wife's here, and the person, lady across the table, is it that she's eating? He's eating, and he hears God speak to him these words. Ask her about the blue monkey. Well, you know, let's just go natural for a moment, because that's where most of us live, like, Okay, I've never seen a blue monkey. And monkey, what about a monkey and what about a blue monkey? So he's, he's having this discussion with the Lord about, Lord, she's going to think I'm nuts. So the Lord stopped talking. So you can talk yourself right into the natural. And miss the supernatural. So the Lord spoke to him again. Ask her about the blue monkey. So they're just having this conversation. And after a while, Jimmy looks at her and says, I apologize. This may be way out there. But I need to ask you a question that I think the Lord's given me to ask you. And he prefaces it, may be the Lord. Because he didn't want the Lord to get the, the rap if he missed it. It's just, I missed it. I'm, I'm sorry, I've just had a bad day. My, my coffee's messed up or something. So I said, he said, I apologize, but I, I think the Lord wants me to ask you about the blue monkey. She puts her fork down, and she raises her head and begins to weep. She said, how did you know about the blue monkey? He says, I didn't. But God wanted me to ask you about that. She said, my, a relative would come into her room and sexually abuse her and have his way with her when she was younger. And the only consolation that she received was her stuffed Blue monkey. And she would hold it and cry herself to sleep. Because of hearing the voice, of partnering with God, that lady was able to experience healing and freedom. And through the appropriate counseling and ministry, able to walk and get beyond that to be able to trust men again. But what if he would have said, let's talk about something else. This is imperative for the people of God walking in kingdom power to be able to hear the voice of God. Are you going to hear perfectly every time? No. Is it always going to be him? No. You're going to have to learn how to filter out the voices. And the way you filter it, you filter it through the word, the written word. 
Do you hear what I'm saying? Now that word that God spoke to her or spoke to a pastor can't be canonized. That's not scripture. But it's a real-time download of what he's doing in the earth. Talk to me in the house. All right, stand your feet all across the room. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Do I have those buckets? Where are those buckets? Do we have those buckets? There we are. I need to fill them up with water. Help me, Jason. Uh, JC, somebody, y'all fill these up with water. All right, here's what we're going to do. I heard the Lord speak to me. (laughs) And say, give your people an opportunity to take some rags to wherever they're going. And when you see people sick, hurting, it gives you the opportunity to share the testimony of what God is doing at the North Georgia Revival. So you're going to get one just to have on standby. Stick it in your purse. All right? Does that make sense? Um, Men, you can take it, put it in your car, leave a little ventilation. You don't want it to... To mold, if you tighten it, okay? Lord, show me what you're doing, and Lord, how can I partner with you? He'll speak to us. Where's Joel Crumpton? I saw him earlier. Where's Joel? Is he here? Well, Joel has the statement of that you got to cross the chicken line. You're going to have to cross the line. Just be bold. All right, Pastor Sherry, we got, we got some of those rags over here. Some, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to dip and go, okay? That, mean, that means you're not going to stay at the bucket. You're going to dip and go, dip and go, dip and go. We got four places, okay? Four places. Dip and go. In just a moment, I'm going to pray over you. We're going to release this on you. You're going to go out of this house as ambassadors. Lord, show me what you're doing. And God, would you let me partner with you? It's Luke 9. It's Luke 10. It's Matthew 9. Matthew 10. Y'all go. Take the kingdom of God with you. Pray the prayer of faith over people. Encourage them, strengthen them, love on them. Give them some hope. Give them some hope. Father, I thank you that you're speaking to us through your spirit, oh God. Mm -hmm. And Lord, you're raising up these people to hear your voice. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a Light into my path. Your word. Your word. What you speak to us. Lift your hands, church. Father, we commission them. To go in the highways and byways. And to be your mouthpiece. To be your voice. 
Give them strong courage. May they be unafraid. 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 Lowly and softly, oh God. Tenderly. With humility. Use your people in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. All right, before I release you to come here, I want you to know that tonight at 5 o'clock, now listen, this is our last North Georgia Revival service until the end of the year, okay? So it's going to be two weeks to our next service after tonight. Don't make it three. Don't make it three for you. Finish the year strong. Finish with us strong. Finish with us strong. This is so important that we come together for prayer tonight at five and worship together and baptisms tonight. I got a text right before I came up here. Pastor David Edmondson is sending a guy from his church with stage four cancer. It says he's eaten up with it. Can you help us tonight pray? Be here to support all the people that are here from around the country. Don't check off on me tonight. Don't check out, I should say, and just go, ah, it's not important. It's very important. As we, fin- as we finish this year, that'll take us into the next year. Let's finish strong tonight. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Grab a towel or, or, or washcloth, two or three. Don't grab 30. Two or three. Dip and go. Touch your neighbor and say dip and go. All right. All right. Love you guys. See you tonight, five o'clock for prayer. If I don't see you, uh, Merry Christmas to all of you. God bless you. See you tomorrow night as well at prayer.